Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots, to the Conservative Review podcast here at CR's Northern Command Center on this Thursday, January 26. And let me tell you, folks, it is really busy. It is insanely busy. It's a very busy week. Um, Look, impeachment's going on. We get that. We get the outcome is not in contention. There's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing anybody could do about it. But there are a lot of issues that you and I could affect. Yesterday, we talked about babies. Okay, what are Republicans for, if not babies and guns? We talked about on the 47th anniversary of Roe, how Republicans have used that issue as a fundraising tool without expecting or pushing for actual results and outcomes. And it's become more of a campaign scam. Guns is the same issue. Every Republican is pro-gun, right? Well, where are the results? For a while in the 90s, early 2000s, legitimately in the states that Republicans controlled, we saw consistent progress. I would argue one of the few issues that conservatives have actualized success on in a consistent way that really has a valid metric, it's on guns. But the last couple years, really culminating with Republicans getting trifecta control, House, Senate, White House, at a federal level, we slid backwards. We're losing the narrative. Democrats, certainly where they control it, as we saw in Virginia, but elsewhere as well, are pushing gun control aggressively beyond belief. What can we do? What can the forgotten citizen do while we are being flooded with MS-13, criminal aliens, unvetted refugees, um, the jail doors are, are being let go, opened up, thousands of criminals are being let out under the guise of reducing the prison population, including of gun felons. What are we left with? We're denuded of our rights. You know, one of the only organizations that I believe is actually worth it, is actually succeeding to dis- despite itself. You know, the mark of an organization, of a political NGO, is to succeed not because of itself, but despite itself, not to become an end to itself just to perpetuate your existence. Um, we certainly see that endemic of single-issue groups, and I, and I noted yesterday that is my critique of a lot of pro-life organizations. When it comes to guns, there's one organization that's actually pushing for results, actually pushing for people who will actually move the ball forward rather than just campaign on guns and then at best do nothing, at worst uh, serve as a loincloth for Democrats and grease the skids for uh, some of their gun control bills to pass. That is Gun Owners of America. Um, it's really one of the few organizations that I could endorse wholeheartedly. And I don't know why it's taken me this long to, to have on someone from Gun Owners, but Eric Pratt is the senior vice president of GOA, uh, lives right there in the belly of the beast there in Virginia, And he joins us today for a full briefing on the state of play with the gun debate, our palladium of rights, our most sacred of rights, and what we could do about it. Eric, great to have you on the show for the first time. Well, Daniel, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for those kind words uh, in that introduction. Uh, But it's a real pleasure to be uh, here with you finally at last. No, absolutely. Look, there are a few organizations that I feel I could learn from, I could get 
good information and I know they're going to be consistent. I know there's no uh, backroom games going on. Well, I got to stand down here because it's this type of Democrat or Republican pushing a, a bill. You guys are going to give it to us straight. Um, I first want to start off with the positive. Do, I, do you agree with this sentiment that I look at the Richmond rally this past week and one of the things that has concerned me I follow and push for gun rights, but also many other issues as well, is that over the last couple of years, our side has been dormant. It really has been. The other side is activated. Our side thinks, well, Papa's going to take care of us. Trump is president. But what they don't recognize is, well, you got possession of the ball, at least at a federal level, but you got to make the plays. I mean, you can't just sit back and you got to make it work. But instead, I can't get people focused on legitimate issues that actually matter. I see tens of thousands of people turn up when it comes to this threat of taking guns. Do you are you seeing a reactivation of the movement we saw in the 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, in one word, yes. And to that degree, it's been exciting. Uh, it's a shame that it took such tremendous threats and attacks against our rights to to wake people up. But truly, I, we believe that the sleeping giant has been awakened. And, you know, I, I think where you you not only see that with the Virginia rally and the, the record-breaking numbers there, I think you see it with the sanctuary movement uh, all across uh, Virginia, really all uh, this is happening across the country as well. But here in Virginia, we're hearing that as people show up at these board of supervisor meetings, by the hundreds, by the thousands, they're being told, we're being told, uh, we've never had this many people show up for a meeting, show up uh, on an issue. People are really engaged. And so it, it really started right after the November election with the sanctuary movement and getting uh, counties to say, we're not going to help the state enforce gun control. Now, one of the sad notes that's come out of that as people uh, the exciting part, again, is people are getting activated. They're showing up. We're also hearing, man, uh, I should have voted in November. And, and we're hearing that again and again. So, you know, that's the downside of this is people had gotten complacent. They got lackadaisical. And certainly on the gun issue, uh, we were kind of a victim of our own success. Um, we've been involved in the state, uh, certainly in Virginia. Uh, got to give props to VCDL, the Virginia Citizens Defense League. Uh, mm -hmm. They've got tremendous organization. And so uh, year after year, gun control, I mean, gun, you know, one thing about anti-gun Democrats, uh, they, they're zealous and they keep coming and they keep coming. Even if they know that they can't, they don't have the votes to pass, they're still going to force votes. And yet we've been able to kill gun control every year. And so I think people got complacent. Uh, the positive is they're complacent no more. They're, they're definitely engaged. No, I mean, and, and that's what we need. Um, it's funny. You mentioned how we're a victim of our own success. I often track two issues that I think aren't spoken enough together because they are the same issue. They're one issue of public safety, guns and crime. Those are two issues we actually won on in the 90s. And we won right. so resoundingly, there was no longer a debate. Then the other side, like you said, they don't, they don't give up. They kind of <laughs> quietly came back eight to 12 years ago, depending on the state, certainly accelerating in recent years, and then certainly with the alt-left types taking over in states like Virginia and then the traditional blue states, Maryland, New York, New Jersey, California. And 
they're pushing this mix. It's, it's astounding. I, I seem to be the only one talking about this. Let's speak about this through the prison of what, what just happened. The very same committees just yesterday that passed what they call a red flag law. So uh, we're going to give permission to um, law enforcement agents, police, to go and grab guns from anyone they deem as suspicious mm -hmm. without judicial process. The one right. actually appropriate role of the courts, not to decide broad public policy, but individual rights, take it away without, without a judicial process. Yesterday, they voted on a bill. Folks, I haven't talked about this yet. I'm going to do it here with Eric on the show. They voted on a bill that will allow early release and parole for anyone who reaches the age of 50 who has served more than 20 years in prison. Now, those of you who are veterans of this program know in this era, if you are serving 20 years in prison, it's almost impossible to do that. So even murder one, 40% serve less than 10 years and just 30% serve more than 20 years. So this is murder one with a massive rap sheet. Rape, rapists, even rapists don't really serve that long for the most part, especially hard to get them on, on a um, first degree ag aggravated rape. So they passed this bill to let out a guy, they call it geriatric release. Now you picture a 90 year old. Well, I mean, no 50 year old is gonna call themselves geriatric in the year 2020. That's a reality. Um, the only ones who are exempt are class one felonies who are those who murder cops or children or very anomalous circumstances that are often very hard to land a conviction on those circumstances. The worst murderers who usually, I mean, it's bad enough to murder, but to use a gun and they murder, they're let out. Okay, Eric, why is, I don't hear Republicans making this case. I don't hear them making this case to the public. And I'll add you one more thing. To me, what caused us to lose control of this issue started with Parkland in February 2018. Few people know that the day after Parkland, this is February 15th, I think, the Senate Judiciary Committee, federal level, Washington, bipartisan majorities passed a bill letting out federal gun felons. And those are the ones targeted by U.S. attorneys, MS-13 folks. They often hit them on that if they can't get them on murder. I, what in the world is going on here? Well, you know, you're absolutely right. The Republicans need to be making an issue out of this. I mean, there's a couple things in, in terms of what you were just saying. One, by obviously by letting hardened criminals back out on the street, we're going to see crime rates rise. And when that happens, guess what uh, the anti-gun media is going to be doing? They're going to be calling for more gun control. Uh, but it's not going to be because of the guns. It's because of these other uh, policies where they're throwing dangerous people back out onto the streets. But I think secondly, I mean, obviously, this, this shows that the anti-gun Democrats don't care about safety. This is really all about power. Because I think in their mind, the only reason they're willing to put these people back out on the streets uh, is because they think they're, they're more than likely going to be voting Democrat. Uh, and I think that's probably a, a face, a, a, a very good assumption. And so here in Virginia, you're seeing bills to, you know, early release for uh, felons, uh, uh, getting felons 
uh, the ability to vote, not their gun rights back, uh, mind you, but their ability to vote. See, this is all about Democrat power. Uh, they they want to push back term limits so that uh, Governor Blackface Northam can serve four more years. They want to change the law so that Virginia's electoral votes for president are determined by the national vote totals rather than the vote totals in the state. See, all these things are being written to help Democrats get more power so that they can ignore rallies such as what occurred uh, here in Virginia where we had tens of thousands of people. See, they want to ignore the voice of the people for all they what they talk about democracy. And of course, we're, we're a republic, uh, not a democracy. But for all their lip service to it, they really don't care about the voice of the people. It's all about power. It's all about who's bringing them to the dance, who's paying to bring them to the dance a.k.a. Michael Bloomberg, spending his millions of mil and millions of dollars in elections. Boy, if there was like, a, you know, some uh, conservative or libertarian, you know, like a Koch brother, you know, spending that kind of money to change elections, you would be here, you know, about the corruption of money in politics, et cetera. But because it's Bloomberg buying Democrat seats, you know, you don't hear a peep about it hardly. And so uh, and so this is all just part of their ability to imp impose a progressive disarmament agenda on the people. And so it, it, it's not even just the, the gun control. It's all these other uh, bills that, that uh, we, we've just been talking about to empower the Democrat Party even more. No, and that's a great point, because at least if you're going to take away our rights, I wish gun control worked. I mean, at least we'd be safe. So, you know, you left. I live just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. This is ground zero for this. So, oh, yeah. you know, look, I got here my Walther PPS. As you well know, it's a good gun, but eight, eight rounds. OK, so, you know, they're very into, oh, you can't have more than 10 rounds, eight rounds. I cannot carry any firearm of any caliber of any magazine capacity anywhere outside of my home. I'm in my my home office right now. So, I mean, you know, it's all legal. And, you know, all right, fine. That's a tough pill to swallow. But then I need it because you walk outside, everyone's getting carjacked. What happens? They catch them. The police catch them. They all have six felonies within a half a year. Gun violations. They assault people with a deadly weapon. They come. I joke around. Maryland is an open carry state. You 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 assault people with a deadly weapon and you don't get locked up. What we're seeing all the time is if you're so zealous about guns, my gosh, you know, you, you, you have us little gun nerds who are the safest people around. You know, I don't earn enough money to be able to afford SIGs. So I'm going to need to deal with private sales, try to get them cheaper. It's so hard. I can't utilize gun sales online in Maryland because I can't get half the stuff shipped to me. Um, I miss out on so many things. But then when it comes to the people who are assaulting people with the guns, Chicago, similar story, all the gun violence. Um, five robberies, assaults, firearms uh, violations. He's let out after three days in, in, in prison. Then he's caught violating parole with an illegal firearm. Well, you know, Eric, we can't add to the prison population. So nothing happens. Of course, as we're, we, we've been finding out recently, Democrats, uh, at least some Democrats, are not opposed to adding to the prison population. Those undercover video tapes of Sanders uh, staffers uh, actually praising the Soviet gulag system. 
uh, where they threw people in to re-educate them. Uh, you know, so praising the gulag system, saying we need that here in this country, that's where we need to send Republicans to. Of course, you know, they think that there's, uh, you know, they would never say this in the open. That's why it had to be undercover. All the more reason why I want to keep my guns. I mean, when there's people with that kind of mentality that want to round people up and, uh, you know, ship them off to, to gulags and things like that. So, you know, I mean, we're just scratching the surface here with how Democrats want to reshape society. And it's all the more reason why it is so important. I mean, if anything comes out of, you know, people watching uh, this discussion here today, Daniel, I, I would say this. Mm. Uh, it is really important that people vote. And it is really important that they get registered. Um, you know, I've gotten my adult children to be registered, kind of kicking and screaming because <laughs> it's not really a millennial thing, you know, that, that they're into, but I've, I've insisted on it. Uh, you know, I mean, and they still honor me enough that, that they do it because dad has, has uh, requested it. But, I, you know, I think it is really important, you know, get your adult children, all your pro-gun friends and family, you know, make sure they are registered because these upcoming elections are going to be really, really important. And, uh, you know, come election time, you know, start asking around, you know, are, are you going to be able to make it uh, to, you know, on election day? Uh, you know, oh, you're going to be out of town. Uh, well, you know, here's the, the, the site where you can, um, uh, you know, uh, do absentee ballot, you know, get this taken care of ahead of time. It, it's really important for our side to start thinking this way, because you know what? The other side's doing it. You know, all those millions and millions of dollars that Bloomberg is spending, uh, a lot of that is is that on the street ground game, getting people to the polls. Uh, so, you know, we've got the passion right now. Uh, we're under attack. Our rights are being threatened. We need to, you know, now channel that passion in a very constructive way. And so I think that's one important thing we need to do. So one thing I could hear my audience screaming at me, and I'm going to get emails about this, about what you guys could do to channel this is at GOA. And the reason is this. They're saying, all right, vote. Vote for who? So let me give you an example. Let's start at a state level. We'll move to the federal level. Florida. Florida is a really good success story on paper for R versus D in the sense that it's considered a very competitive 50-50 state. But for quite some time, Republicans have had every um, statewide office holder is a, is a Republican. They've had super majorities or flirting with super majorities, certainly simple majorities in both houses. They just elected, you know, one of the most conservative governors, if not the most conservative governor in America, Ron DeSantis, certainly committed to these issues. People went out and voted for him despite being outspent. Everyone thought he was kind of a newcomer. He wasn't going to win. Great success story. They voted for him. Even in a bad year, we won there. Well, there's a state Senate president who's pretty much the guy who runs it, Bill Galvano, um, who is the guy, he's like, let's say, the Mitch McConnell equivalent of the state Senate there. It's a very important position. This guy got $500,000 from, from Bloomberg himself. Just last week in Florida, this is Florida, not Virginia, similar things. They passed um, a bill basically uh, expanding all the red tape and background checks on private sales, um, regulating how much your guns have to be locked up in your own home from 17-year-olds now, they raised the age from 16 to 18, um, children from whom you have to have your guns locked up. There might be a couple other measures you could you could tell us about. And, and, and likewise, so that it passed committee unanimously, that means there's an awful lot of Republicans there. Likewise, those same committees 
passed similar jailbreak bills that Virginia did. The geriatric thing, I think, was 60 instead of 50. But similar things. I mean, everyone's asking me, Daniel, it's like it's like these um, fraudulent ballot machines in Maryland where, you know, you would vote Republican and out would pop. It would render a Democrat vote uh, like th that's what's happening. What do we what do people do and what what could your what is your organization do doing to try to identify who's um, actually a Republican? Right. Well, we uh, actually oppose a lot of Republicans, uh, Republicans like Galvano. And uh, and here's the thing. And, and here again, I'm going to put it back to the American people. And, you know, quite frankly, we get uh, the representation we deserve. And I mean, you know, Daniel, one of the uh, poorest attended days uh, is a, a primary voting day. Like people don't show up. You know, and so we have, you know, I mean, it's heartbreaking how many really good people uh, just didn't make it out of the, the primary because good people weren't showing up to vote. And, and I'm talking about good people. I mean, you know, I, I'm involved in a church and and I try to get, you know, uh, you know, my friends, you know, get them there. And, you know, primary, it's just not on their radar. And uh, you almost have to send a bus around to, to pick them up. You know, uh, you know that, that's hard to fight against. Now, that may be changing right now because people are really fired up. But no, it's absolutely a problem. Now, I will say this. Let's not ignore the fact. And, and I think you alluded to this earlier, Daniel, that, um, you know, over the past several years, um, things have been a lot better at the state legislature. Sure, I mean, you know, there's exceptions to that, and we can talk about the Galvanos and things like that. So let's go through some uh, of the good stuff, what, 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 what you guys have, have seen success in. Uh, oh, absolutely. Well, one of the, the, the huge successes, you know, and, and here this is, you know, just yet again an example of how Democrats, when they ignore the will of the people, they do so at their own peril. And we saw that happen in 1994, and they ended up losing the Congress uh, because they pushed gun control and ignored, uh, you know, the, the 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 voice of the people through rallies and and contacting Congress. They just didn't care. They'd had a Democrat majority for decades, and they never thought they would lose it. They were stunned. And Bill Clinton said, you know. Uh, he, he actually said it was the gun issue that cost yeah. him control of the Congress. Now, you fast forward another 14 years. Uh, it was a different issue. But uh, when Obama came in with uh, the Democrat control in the legislature, it was the same type of thing. They were passing tax increases. Uh, they were pushing health care. And th that was the big thing. That was the thing that really got people gener uh, you know, motivated. And things started happening, especially at the state level. The states went from having overwhelming Democrat control of the legislatures to overwhelming Republican control. It was like uh, almost a thousand Democrat legislators yeah. lost their, their election. Yeah. I mean, it, it was amazing. And that actually had a tremendous benefit uh, for our organization. We'd been pushing uh, since the 90s, constitutional carry it was first called Vermont carry uh, or Vermont style carry, but constitutional carry where you can carry a firearm. Boy, would this help you in Maryland, Daniel, carry Oof. a firearm without permission. And we now have 17 states. Vermont was the original from, you know, the founding of the nation. But we have 17 states now. 15 of them 
came after this huge, uh, you know, Obama-caused revolution where, you know, the states went from Democrat control to Republican control. So all that to say, there have been some good things that happen. And, you know, absolutely, uh, you know, when there's bad Republicans, man, we are the first ones to yeah. go after them and torpedo them. And I think that's one of the things you appreciate about Gun Owners of America yep. is we, we use the Constitution as the standard, not, not the party. party. As because the let's face it, Eric, and this is what our, our audience needs to know this um, when we talk about gun owners of America, um, as opposed to some other notorious, uh, you know, allegedly uh, pro-gun rights organizations, that the, the gulf between a Thomas Massey and a Bill Galvano is yeah. as wide as the gulf between any Republican and Elizabeth Warren and, and you know, whatever right. else. I mean, it makes a world of a difference. And I want to really channel this into something that has really disturbed me. Um, look, we know Republicans are not going to limit the size of government and cut spending. I mean, I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to talk about it. Right. It's not going to happen. But every Republican, you know, again, what what what, what is their mantra? Uh, it's it's babies and guns. I mean, that that's really what what got them together. Coming back to the beginning of the show. Everyone thought, like, at a bare minimum, I mean, come on, you're going to defund Planned Parenthood and you're going to get right to carry reciprocity. I, I really thought we were going to get that. I knew they wouldn't do anything bolder than that. I really thought that we were going to get that. Instead, when they had trifecta control, they didn't push anything until after Parkland. Then they pushed, pushed concealed carry as a shell to stick on right. another fixed nicks that we knew would then get sent to the Senate and they'll only pass fixed nicks without the concealed carry. And that's what it was. President Trump signed. One more thing. Correct me if I'm wrong and let us know if there's any good news. But if you look at an executive angle, so that's Congress, President signed it, DOJ, ATF. I'm only seeing more with the red flag type of things. I'm seeing the bump stock ban. What could people do to ensure that Let's say best case scenario, Republicans win back the House, President Trump is reelected, that we get a better result. Well, yeah, that's that that's a hard one to predict, <laughs> Daniel. Obviously, uh, I, I really thought at the beginning um, of the uh, 2018, um, you know, the, the the chatter in the House was uh, they they wanted to push and and the good. I mean, it was the right people pushing it, the sure. good congressmen, and they were being told they were going to get the votes. Uh, we were working with the White House, and they were actually um, excited about that prospect, and they were even working on some pro-gun uh, executive order type aspects. Uh, in the end, we only ended up getting one, and that was undoing the UN treaty, which was certainly mm -hmm. uh, a positive. We pulled our name off of that, and, and I'm glad for that. Um, honestly, it was, I think, Parkland uh, that changed everything, and, you know, you've got, you know, and, and we've touched on this before. Democrats are ferocious, they're zealous, they're vicious, and they they use opportunities like that to advance their agenda. Republicans, even though in their heart of hearts, they, they may want to be with us a lot of the times, um, they're like lambs when it comes to things like this, and they wilt. Uh, they're scared. Yep. Uh, they're, they're scared to advocate the... Now, I'm generalizing because, I mean, you've got the Thomas Masseys and, and some good guys who you know, come right back uh, and, and, and they're making forceful arguments, but most of them just throw up their hands and say, oh, now's not a good time. And, uh, you know, and, and that's a hard thing to predict because, I mean, you can hear a guy on the stump 
uh, and he can sound good and you know, okay, I'm going to vote for him, but how is he going to be under pressure? Um, th there is actually a way to answer that, and that is, you know, most of these guys come up through the ranks in the state legislatures, and so we have to watch them and yeah. see see what they're like. Uh, most people don't want to give that kind of attention, and that's the kind of thing that, that we do in working with um, – uh, you know, state groups is trying to find out, you know, who are the real tough leaders. It, it's one one of the reasons why uh, we, we didn't endorse Trump in the previous election. I mean, the, he really had no record to speak wow. of. So we did. So we didn't know how he was going. In fact, if anything, uh, we had a lot of bad statements sure. that he had made in the distant past. In now, he had yeah. said he had said, OK, I, I don't believe those things anymore. Okay, so we have competing statement, but how is he going to do under pressure? Well, uh, you know, I, I think we we kind of saw that after Parkland. Yeah. You know, he said things like, uh, you know, grab the guns first, due process second. Now, and then he, he walked and, it back. He, he walked it back. And, thankfully, and, 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 and Eric, this is this is where we need a movement. Everyone's so divided over Trump, and I hate it. I don't care if Ron DeSantis is president, if Thomas Massey is president. You need a movement. One person can't do it. Trump has pretty decent instincts on a lot of issues, including this. Right. Yes. But if you don't have a movement around it, Mr. President, you have the best ace in the hole on this. Parkland was all about jailbreak. It was about criminal justice reform. It was the promise right. program. It was stopping. Well, what's their um, terminology? A uh, schoolyard to jail yard. That's their whole thing. I I'm trying to get darn in my statistics here, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull it up as you're talking. Um, Something like the Washington Post had this thing about, what was it, 1,500, 2,000 people killed of mass shootings since 1958 or something. There's been something like, and I have the exact numbers in a couple of my articles, 960,000 homicides over that same period of time. This is like 0.001%. Almost all of them are repeat violent felons that are known to law enforcement and even a lot of the mass shooters were too there's a couple of very rare exceptions and those are very hard no matter what they do i mean we see the guy in new jersey who by the way that that shot up the kosher store in jersey city by the way he was a gun felon 50 times over never served a day right. in jail but also it turns out in addition to having guns oh gee in new jersey no one could carry you can't have hollow points retroactive ban of 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 magazines more than 10 rounds I mean, but he managed to get it. Um, but he also had a bomb that it turns out could have killed endless numbers of people. Um, we had the perfect ace in the hole, but instead the people around Trump are like criminal justice reform. Yes. And <laughs> red flag. Right. I, like, what are you talking? The red flag laws are being tough on crime. So here's, here's basically the battle lines, Daniel. Um, we have the grassroots. The other side has the media. That's their advantage. That's their strength. And they, and they use it well. So after these shootings, even though they are, as you just pointed out, they're a minority of the murders that occur. Boy, they whip people up into fear. We saw this again in August when there was three mass killings yeah. in, in a short period of time. And the media went bonkers on that. And Sadly, the president started talking about, uh, you know, uh, some gun control proposals. Now, our strength is the grassroots, and we utilize that well, thankfully. Uh, so after the president started, you know, hemming and hawing and moving that way, we generated more than three million messages from, you know, grassroots 
into the Congress and into the White House. And as a result of that, we saw them pulling back. In fact, we had, um, I won't say which office it was, but a very, mm. very high level congressional office say, gun control would have already passed were it not for your members. He said, you guys have been extremely loud. So, you know, it, it's frustrating, but that's the battle that we have. I mean, every time there's a tragedy, the media is going to try to, you know, I mean, they're stepping over the dead bodies to get to the mics to, uh, you know, or, the, you know, the anti-gun congressman, uh, you know, to, to, to use that for their agenda. Uh, our response is, is we get the grassroots and, and basically the threat of we will remember in November. And so, you know, that, and that's the tug of war uh, that yep. we're in. But, you know, the, the answer is, is we, you know, we can't go to sleep. You know, it, it's, it's tough, mind you, because the media, I mean, that's their job. They're being paid to do this. For us, you know, we've got jobs. Well, That's most people. I mean, I, I I do this for a living. You do this for a living. But yeah, most I don't people, have a real job, but most of my audience does. <laughs> right. Exactly. So you know, they're, they're school teachers. You know, doctors, lawyers. You know, you know, whatever. These people it is. don't even know. Like I, I talk to people in my community. They don't know about this whole criminal justice thing. You know, the New York thing. It passed in a budget bill because they can't. They they can't allow right. people to know what what's happening. And now people are like. Are you kidding me? But they didn't even know about this. It's a whole movement. The same people pushing, and it's on all the states where, again, New Jersey is even worse than Maryland. And 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 this guy, well, two things: the Jersey City guy who shot up the the Jews and the kosher store was a gun felon with a massive rap sheet. And then the guy who shot up the church in Texas that same week, he wound up in New Jersey, evidently a few years ago was caught on a gun felony. He was, it was downgraded. He was let go. It's like the great, I mean, that is an open carry state if you're a criminal. And what bothers me is this. I, I agree with you about not making hay over tragedies, but there are times where something is like, look, you know, we live in an open country. It's not North Korea. Um, you know, if someone wants to kill people, certain amount of murder is going to happen that we can't prevent. But there's a right. whole slice of it that really is preventable. And when I talk right. about this all the time, Republicans don't push back, for example, right. on sanctuary, sanctuary cities with illegal aliens. We had this with New York City. 200 murder detainers, 200. They're almost all repeat felons. This 92-year-old woman in Queens, he, the guy was caught seven weeks before on what? Assault and firearms charges. He was let go both on a, at a domestic criminal sense, but also he could have been out of the country, 100% preventable murder. It's not like, oh, we could disagree on policy, 100%. And we, here's the thing, if you, if you know martial arts a little bit and you're, you're boxing, no matter how good you are at ducking and, and bobbing and weaving, if you don't also punch and go on offense, you right. will get hit. They're gonna, they're gonna draw blood. It's not just going on offense. That is the best defense because they're always going to take a shot at you. But we direct attention on their vulnerabilities. Right. And I just, again, my unsolicited advice, your organization, others, they need to really look at this crime and 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 especially foreign criminals, which is 100% needless and sen senseless and avoidable to har harbor other countries' criminals. Um, on that note, one more thing. I know I've kept you for a while. Um, one more thing I want to get back to is you mentioned sanctuaries. So we're talking about illegal mm -hmm. immigrants. Um, obviously, to be very clear, so people know, um, Madison and Federalist 46 talked about this a lot, that 
right up there with interstate commerce, the impetus for going from the Articles of Confederation to the Constitution was so you wouldn't have chaos and immigration. And the way he refers it refers to it is so you don't have people being brought in who are, quote, obnoxious aliens. Those are your criminal aliens of today under loose standards, a.k.a. New York and California um, to, to mess with everyone else. And that was absolutely given over to the federal government so to protect their sovereignty of the whole of the union. Um, and there is no right to immigrate shall not be infringed. So hence, there is no legitimacy to engaging in civil disobedience against our immigration laws. But what you're suggesting, and I want to get an update on this, because I really think if the left is this successful doing it illegally on an issue states do not own, this is, I mean, look, the founder said it was so much of a right, Madison was hesitant to put it in the Bill of Rights because it would almost imply that it's coming from government and it's the right pre-existing to the Constitution, right. natural right. So in this case, um, and I say this all the time, Judge Timothy Farrar, he wrote the first treaties, constitutional treaties, um, a year after the 14th Amendment was, 14th Amendment was ratified. And he talked about certain rights were all for states. We think generally states should be stronger, but there are certain things that even a state cannot infringe upon. What they did with Jim Crow, life, liberty, and property of, of blacks in America, it was appropriate for the federal government to step in. Same thing, a state cannot do what Maryland is doing to me. Um, they, right. they, they do not have that right. So two questions. Number one, where do you see the sanctuary movement? Is it bigger outside of Virginia as well? And number two, is there a role, as much as we generally don't like it, for the federal government to get involved? So um, to your first question, I mean, it, it's the sanctuary movement for the Second Amendment is exploding. Uh, there's already some states that have passed uh, basically uh, state sovereignty laws or firearms freedom acts, uh, which range from a gun that's made in the state and stays in the state is exempt from federal gun control. Uh, or like Wyoming has a second amendment preservation act where they will prosecute you. I mean, it's actually the toughest one of its kind, but if uh, anybody tries to uh, enforce gun control in the state. Uh, there are a couple of exceptions, uh, but uh, they, you can actually be prosecuted. Uh, now, as far as the county level, county, city, towns, there's 20 states that right now, so, I mean, Virginia is just the latest state, mm. but uh, there's active movements in Florida, uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, Kentucky, several other states. So, uh, yeah, it's something that that is really uh, expanding. Uh, you know, as far as the role from the the federal government, I, I think the biggest thing is just to you know, um, and, and I, this may sound pie in the sky, but just to to leave us alone. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we live in a federalist uh, nation. Uh, now, having said that, certainly the Fourteenth Amendment and you brought that up did change things, and so yeah, now you can actually bring suit to. Uh, protect Second Amendment rights uh, because of the 14th Amendment. So uh, that's certainly one avenue. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, uh, or uh, preventing somebody, you know, there was talk a, a while ago, a, a Democrat said, well, if, uh, you know, these counties aren't going to enforce gun control in Virginia, uh, the governor can call up the National Guard. 
well, you know, uh, Trump could actually prevent that from happening just by, yep. by federalizing the guards. So uh, there are things like that. Yeah. Uh, but I think right now th this sanctuary, and I love seeing how difficult it is for these liberal writers who have praised <laughs> the sanctuary movement for illegal aliens to now pivoting and saying it's so wrong uh, what these uh, Second Amendment sanctuary counties are doing. And they have no basis for that. And by the way, if anybody's confused on the difference, the difference is those sanctuary counties are upholding the Constitution. Yes. And, and therein lies the difference. As, as you mentioned, this is a pre-existing right. It's not even a constitutional right. It wasn't established by the Constitution. It's not a right given to us by government that can be taken or given at will. It is a right from God, as our Declaration of Independence says. So it's beyond the scope uh, of government. That's why government can't infringe it, which is, of course, what the Second Amendment says. Shall not be infringed. And, and that's the important thing. I hate when people are like, well, Daniel, are you a state or a federal? Is this the courts or the executive? Well, each thing has its proper role. And right. not only doesn't it say the right to immigrate shall not be infringed, but the courts have said in the most what, what's called by Felix Frankfurter, the most uninterrupted set of case law, the plenary power doctrine, that there is no right to sue. There is no right to enter. There is no I mean, it's because it's it trespasses all of our property rights. It's, an, it's antithetical to a right. It's the ultimate privilege of a government and a state can invite in and harbor people. And that's that's completely illegitimate. But nonetheless, I, I do think we should learn the lesson. And yet you said it. Much to my chagrin, they are very successful. You look at the ICE enforcement numbers, they are in the toilet. If you look at the field offices in, in the field office in L.A. has fewer removals than the field offices in Minneapolis and, and Salt Lake City, <laughs> even though they have a fraction of the illegal criminal population. And unfortunately, and they're they're passing laws criminalizing enforcement of it. Same thing. It's illegitimate there. It's neo-confederacy there. This is actually what the founders envisioned. Um, we need to get involved. Um, I'd be I'd really be remiss if I didn't ask you this is as, a as, uh, senior vice president of gun owners of America. What for those who do live in a normal state in a free state? What is the best carrier weapon? Uh, well, you <laughs> Tough know, one. You, yeah, the opinions on that are, you know, as they say, like noses, you know, everybody has one. Uh, personally, uh, it, it, it depends on what I'm wearing or where I'm going. So I personally, I love Glocks. Um, I, I, I love those, but there are situations where I have to go even smaller. And so I, I love the Ruger LCP mm. uh, just because it's a... Uh, now, that, that may not be a great weapon for stopping a mass shooter, uh, but, but then, as we've already discussed, those are a fraction of the situations anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, you can actually see a lot of exciting stories in the news, and we get a lot of news stories of self-defense cases here, obviously, and we post them. Uh, it, it's one of the most popular selling guns, and uh, a lot of people use them in self-defense. I almost sound like a salesman for them. I'm not. I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, you, you asked me what I like. Uh, that's what I like. Uh, you know, I do go concealed. I, I live in an area where you could easily get swatted because there's a lot of 
uh, nervous people here. It's a very safe county, but it mm -hmm. is a very liberal county, Fairfax County, Virginia. So uh, sure. I, I wouldn't go open carrying here. No, exactly, exactly. I mean, maybe if you're in Baltimore, you know, you have no choice sometimes. But uh, um, the long gun and open is, I think, the only permutation that you could you could use. But of course, they'll pull you over. What could people do to find out more about joining Gun Owners of America? What, what's your call to action that people could do? Well, uh, two things then. Uh, go to gunowners.org. And um, we you can sign up for our email alerts, and then that way we can, you know, uh, how did we get three million uh, contacts uh, into the, the 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 Congress and into the White House? It was by using our our you know, in addition to social media, but our email list. So get on that email list so that you can be active because you know everything we've been talking about here, you know, you might see something in the news and it upsets you, and you know, maybe, you you know send a message off to your congressman, but that's like a, a drop in the bucket. It's much more effective when there's somebody like us who's coordinating this and making it easy for you, so you don't have to go hunting. How do I do this? With one click, uh, we even give you pre-written text that you can use. I mean, you can change it. It's you know editable. Uh, so anyway, that's one very important step is signing up for the email alerts. Uh, there, there's also membership information uh, there as well. I mean, that helps us keep the lights on here so we keep fighting the fight. So both of those things, I think, are, are very useful. If you're interested in getting a Second Amendment sanctuary uh, in mm. your uh, area, go to gunownersaction.org forward slash S-A-S-O, that stands for Second Amendment Sanctuary Ordinance, uh, S-A-S-O. We've got fact sheets there. We've got model legislation, that, and people are taking that and they're giving that uh, to, so, so there's things happening that we don't even know about just because, you know, we're giving people the tools and they're, they're taking it and running with it. So that's very exciting. Well, there you have it, folks. That is the State of the Union on our most important right to protect ourselves. Eric Pratt, Gun Owners of America, thanks so much for joining us. God bless you, and God bless all of you in the audience. Thanks for listening. Till tomorrow, this has been another episode of the Conservative Review Podcast.